Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. We have a complicated attitude to celebrity. On the one hand, we want to know everything about famous people, royalty, billionaires, pop singers, and of course, movie stars. But on the other, we want to maintain the mystique. You mean these demigods are just like us? I want my money back. Anyone who's seen The Wizard of Oz knows the real message isn't there's no place like home. It's don't look behind the magic curtain. Yes, it's exactly so. I'm a humbug. Oh, you're a very bad man. Oh, no, my dear. I'm a very good man. I'm just a very bad wizard. But ever since they've been movie stars, they've delighted in offering glimpses of the real them. They turn up as cameos in films about Hollywood. In fact, most of the cast of The Player were real-life movie stars gleefully biting the hand that fed them. Come on, Hollywood, can't you take a joke? Yeah, it'll be funny. Griffin Mill is a hotshot studio executive. Yes! Angelica, Griffin Mill. Oh, hi. Good to see you. Malcolm McDowell. Hi, how are you? Hi, Bert. Good oh, to see you. Good to see you. He's heard every pitch. That's exactly right. It's Out of Africa Meets Pretty Woman. More recently, it started getting a little more serious, or at least pointed. The film JCVD featured action star Jean-Claude Van Damme pretty much as himself, but pointing out he was just an actor, not any sort of hero. Taking it further was a brilliant script by Charlie Kaufman called Being John Malkovich, in which our hero found a portal into the star's head. Literally, I feel like I'm going crazy, Charlie. I'm sure you're not going crazy. You don't understand, man. It's like nothing I've ever felt. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Were you stoned? Yes. Yes, sir. Jesus. The gag being that the usually cerebral Malkovich turned out to be as shallow as the rest of them. His best friend was Charlie Sheen, for goodness sake. Kaufman was frankly meta before meta was cool. In adaptation, he wrote himself into the story as a failed scriptwriter and then gave himself a successful idiot twin brother to fix the script. The two brothers were both played perfectly by Nicolas Cage. I'm going to be a screenwriter like you. I'm putting in a chase sequence. So the killer flees on horseback, cops after them on a motorcycle. And it's like a battle between motors and horses, like technology versus horse. And hereby hangs an episode. Nick Cage constantly teeters on the edge of being brilliant and terrible, often in the same film. But one thing you have to give him, whether he's winning an Oscar, making crass but successful blockbusters, or starring in dozens of films forgotten as soon as you've seen them, he does give you value for money. So what are you going to do with that thing? I'm going hunting. So what you hunting? It's crazy evil. 
Cage never just phones it in, even when sometimes he should. His latest film is both a tribute and a tongue-in-cheek send-up of the star. The title says it all, the unbearable weight of massive talent. And like it or hate it, it couldn't be more Nick Cage. We got another offer. It's a million bucks. It's to attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. I would never do that. It's the easiest gig ever. You play yourself. Also out this week, a tribute to another star who's put even more time into maintaining her celebrity. Nearly a hundred years, in fact. It's The Queen, of course, and it's also the final film from the late director, Roger Michel. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she changes from day to day. Now you may wonder what Elizabeth, a portrait in parts, can tell you that you didn't already know from countless previous documentaries, not to mention four seasons so far of the brilliant Crown TV series. Well, I also pop into the Scandinavian Film Festival, a welcome antidote to a week of celebrity culture. But first, the unbearable weight of massive talent of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I'm in position. I think that's the actor Nick Cage. Nick Cage? I love you. Have you seen Croods 2? I'm 44 years old. Why would I see Croods 2? I've seen Face Off and Con Air. For someone who appears to take himself so seriously, Nick Cage is often hilariously funny. Remember him in Kick-Ass or Captain Corelli's Mandolin, for that matter? Here he plays someone who both is Cage, all those running jokes of the many, many films he's made, and also isn't. He certainly was never married to an Irish makeup artist played by Sharon Horgan. On the other hand, he was married briefly to Lisa Marie Presley. What's the worry here, Nick? You've lost some of your talent as an actor? No. <laughs> what did he say? He says he loves you, but he went in a different direction. As portrayed in the unbearable weight of massive talent, this Nicolas Cage is in trouble. He's been turned down once too often and has decided to retire from the business. He breaks the news to his loyal agent. I'm done. I'm quitting acting. Tell the trades it was a tremendous honour to be a part of storytelling and myth-making. Ah, I'm driving through the hills. I'm sorry. One more time. But his agent has good news. A billionaire fan, a Spaniard called Harvey, has invited Cage to appear at his birthday party. Turn up, be yourself, take home a fortune. Who could turn that down? Nick would very much like to turn it down, but he needs the money. So he flies to Spain to meet his mysterious host, played by Pedro Pascal. Welcome to Mallorca, Mr Cage. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Is Javi going to want me to... Uh... I am Harvey. Nick Cage. But Harvey is a man with secrets. It seems he's written a script and he thinks Nick would be perfect in the role. No, it's nothing cheesy. It's what every Hollywood star insists they're always looking for. A character-driven adult drama. You making this up? What is this, like a, a little um, Stanislavski improv thing? Well, you can stop. Stanislavski, is he part of the resistance? Stop! I am your guest! But all stars also realise that adult dramas need some kind of hook, something to lure that fickle audience into the theatres, something like Harvey's other secret. Right now he's under surveillance by the CIA, and they want to use Nick to access Harvey's well-guarded mansion. What do you guys want? We're with Central Intelligence. 
Do you know who you're spending time with? One of the most ruthless men on the face of this planet. I need you to help the U.S. government. Chief CIA agent is comedy star Tiffany Haddish, who decides the only way to play this is loud and raucous. Cage, on the other hand, plays it all sorts of ways. Quiet, loud, straight, funny. And when he plays his younger alter ego, yes, another one, he goes full Nicolas Cage. I'm Nick Frigger! The best scenes, and there are a lot of them, involve Cage and co-star Pascal riffing on what it's like being Nicolas Cage. Horrified that his idol is thinking of quitting the business, Harvey tries all sorts of approaches to get him to change his mind. You can't quit acting! You can't! That's none of your business. Whether you like it or not, you have a gift. And that gift brings light and joy to an increasingly dark and broken world. He tries flattery. He tries filling him up with drugs and then going on a sort of Hunter S. Thompson voyage of self-discovery, ending with the two jumping off a cliff. And all the time, the CIA is on their trail, alternating between chasing up evidence that Harvey is a crime overlord and riffing on old Nick Cage movie titles. It's all very silly, but the reason it works rather better than it should is that most of the cast plays it as straight as the star. So you're not even sick? I'm okay, honey. I'm okay. Look, I have grown to care very deeply about your father and ex-husband. We are working on a movie together. A beautiful, character-driven adult drama. Is this Cage's bid to use the metaverse, if I can coin a phrase, to make his comeback? Maybe, but as he says constantly in the film, not that he ever went away. And he's only half-joking. Find a way into that room, Nick. I can see myself doing more of this stuff. I think I might have a real gift for it. Good, because we got another mission for you. No, 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 no. Cage never stops working, sometimes in good films, sometimes in films even he probably can't remember. Between the last two decent movies, Mandy in 2018 and this year's Pig, he's clocked up 15 rightly forgotten ones. Well, this film clearly forgets nothing. Is it too much? Is this supposed to be me? It's grotesque. I'll give you 20,000 for it. I laughed all the way through the unbearable weight of massive talent, often with Nick Cage, not just at him. I didn't even mind the Hollywood movie ending. But I have one request, more a fervent plea, really. Don't do a sequel. Leave it alone now. Take the weight off, as they say. Don't lie to me. Are those my golden guns? They're my golden guns. I don't want to kill you. You're the last person I want to kill. I love you. I love you. I'm occasionally asked whether I consider myself a royalist or not, and in the past my response has been a guarded, it depends. But you can't live as long as I have without accepting that the one constant has been the current Queen. Same for most people in this country, and indeed the world. 
it was all a very sudden kind of taking on. It's a question of maturing into something that one's got used to doing. Queen Elizabeth II has been on the throne longer than any British monarch in history. And whatever anyone's opinion of the various components of the royal family, most people's view of the Queen herself is almost entirely favourable. And the new documentary, Elizabeth, The Portrait in Poets, shows why. And accepting the fact that here you are and, and it's your fate. God save the Queen. Ow! Oh, it's my foot you're standing on. What it isn't is a chronological account of Her Majesty's life, though it does cover most of it. It's more a collection of scrapbooks, some long, some short, all themed in some ways. That was the infant Prince Harry, by the way, not the last time he treads on Granny's toes. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you all... Throughout the ages, it will not be easy... There are playful digs at that famous cut-glass voice over the years. She's probably delivered more formal speeches than anyone in the world now. They even include her first broadcast with Sister Margaret during the war. My sister is by my side, and we are both going to say goodnight to you. Come on, Margaret. Good night, children. Good night, and good luck to you all. I went into Elizabeth silently challenging it to come up with anything I didn't already know. And although director the late Roger Michel and his crack editor Joanna Crickmay couldn't claim to have unearthed much brand new material, they did produce a few insights. We grew up loving the Queen. To us teenagers, she was a babe. Paul McCartney nailed something that anyone around in the 1950s knew but may have forgotten. Liz was a knockout in her day and the film intercuts footage of her in full bling with some of her front-page rivals, Marilyn Monroe, Audrey Hepburn and Liz Taylor. Who wears a tongue? And you can't look down because if you did, your neck would break. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we have a queen, Lizzie? So she can look after her country. Another thing often overlooked in royal documentaries is she's funny. Years of public speaking have honed her timing for a joke to perfection and her smile and laugh get a good outing here. Not just when she does a sketch with James Bond and jumps out of a helicopter. Good evening, Mr Bond. Good evening. Also, unlike previous films about her Madge, the rest of the family only features as backup to the star of the show, Elizabeth. You can't completely avoid them, of course, particularly not the man who was seen as the power behind the throne, her late husband, Prince Philip. About the Queen's speeches, I feel that her own natural soft is not allowed to come through. I think everybody really will concede on this, of all days, I should begin my speech with the words, my husband and I. But this time, it's not about the royal family. It's about one person. When she's on, the Queen is very much on her own, and often on a horse. There was the famous occasion when she rode out in front of the annual Trooping of the Colour, surrounded by thousands and thousands of Londoners, one of whom had a gun. He just stepped backwards and fired. It brought it home to us how terribly vulnerable she is. 
It was loaded with blanks, fortunately, but no one was to know that at the time, least of all the gunman's target. But watching the Queen first control the horse, then ride alone and without fuss to safety was impressive. So you get the idea that for her, that was the gig. Keep going and don't scare the horses. New institutions should expect to be free from scrutiny. One thing I didn't know, perhaps, was quite how keen the Queen was on horses. She liked riding them, seeing them race and having a flutter on race day. Watching her joy as she picked up her winnings after one race, £16, I think, was priceless. I didn't need reminding how service has always been the Queen's guiding principle. She joined the ATC as a driver during the war. But it was worth noting how much more impressive the royal women seemed to be than the rather underwhelming chaps. The largest air raid the world has ever known. Does she feel like your mother or grandmother? Yes. yes. The Queen's relationships with her Scottish mother, her sister Margaret and her daughter, the no-nonsense Princess Anne, were obviously crucial. She and Anne are still a formidable team when confronted with unsavoury American visitors. So, am I a royalist? When I came out of the cinema, I was reminded of that old song, Walking in Memphis. Ma'am, I am tonight. I generally avoid regional showcases like the first Scandinavian film festival. By the time I've said anything about them, they're usually long gone. And if some of the festival hits get a general release later in the year, I prefer to review them then. But it's lean pickings this week, and frankly, the films on offer at the Scandi Festival all look refreshingly different from their Hollywood rivals. The one I picked, mostly at random, came from my current favourite Scandinavian movie country, Norway. From the country that brought us the delightful worst person in the world comes Everybody Hates Johan. Solvar, nu kikker han it must be a Norwegian thing to give your movie an off-putting name. We meet the Johan in Everybody Hates Johan as an infant during the war. His parents take him with them when they go out blowing up bridges. Johan's <laughs> mama. papa first. Mama. <laughs> the carefree Grande family are hated by the official resistance because they don't wait to be told to blow up bridges after an appropriate amount of discussion and planning. They just blow them up. Until one day, both parents are accidentally killed by a German mine. We sprang failed bu, eh? They failed tears of work. Helvetes grande faen! 
Johan Grande is adopted by his aunt and uncle, but he inherits his parents' unpopularity. Everyone hates Johan. Everyone, that is, apart from the girl next door, Solvor. She and Johan get on very well, despite her parents' disapproval. But that ends with a bang too. Solvor begs Johan to teach her his family business, blowing stuff up. But she makes a rookie mistake. Is that explosive still smoking or has it gone out? Don't go and have a look, Solvor. After the explosion, Johan is quickly smuggled out of the country and sent off to work in America, where they have plenty of buildings that need blowing up. Fifteen years pass, and Johan finally returns to see the now invalid Solvor. I just mention this because Johan's line to his ageing aunt is my favourite movie line this year. She's still mine, no matter how blown up she was, he says. His aunt responds with the almost as good, well, we're all a little blown up, aren't we? And if you enjoyed The Worst Person in the World as much as I did, you'll know that this story is just getting started. The Norwegians have a Viking attitude to storytelling, it seems to me. They assemble a hardy crew, set out over choppy waters, and go where the wind and elements take them. Along the way, Johan and Solvor try and decide whether their saga is a long, very slow romantic comedy or a pitched, if drawn-out, battle with each other. I've never liked you, says Solvor. You're not my type. Is she lying? Johan clearly hasn't a clue. For all that everybody hates Johan is so Norwegian, deadpan comedy and long, long storylines that only make sense when they get there, I found myself reminded of old Danish films of the Dogma era, the same combination of cool dialogue and deceptively warm-hearted characters. As I said about the worst person in the world, I recommend ignoring the title of Everybody Hates Johan. It's a little charmer, and I suspect that's the case with the other Scandi Film Festival titles. It's not all noir up by the Arctic Circle, it seems. And as we rest our oars for this show, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.